0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. What a lot of anxious folks out here at the ballpark. 3-2 to Cal. The pitch from our
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Torres. I am your host. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike Carter. We've got a great episode for you today. We are joined by the play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Mariners, none other than Dave Sims. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. How are you?
0: Doing well, fellas. Thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it.
1: All right, so you are down in Peoria for Mariners spring training. So first thing I wanna ask you, Dave, is what is the the vibe like down in Mariners camp right now? What are some maybe early <laughs> observations? It really exciting,
0: excited, great promise. You know, anytime you have a fantastic finish through the season like the Mariners had, you know, get over the hump of uh, ending the drought that was twenty twenty one years, making the playoffs, have great success against a very good Toronto team we went two games up at their place, which is just unbelievable. One end and I think it was the second game, the greatest comeback in playoff history. crushed mm-hmm. early. Come back and mm-hmm. win that. And then three tight taught, unbelievably high pressured, high intensity games against Houston that, you know, they're probably three pitches away from from a sweep. And, you know, didn't happen, but the uh, guys were crushed and, and but you know they Went home, mourned, got over it, worked and Everybody you talk, talk to talks about how they worked their tail off during the offseason. Yeah. They're super excited to be back. And then, you know, you look at the pitching, the starting pitching that the Mariners have, the bullpen, the young arms, and it's like a whole bunch of young dudes that are trying to make the team or that are going to be available if anything happens, if anybody goes down. Julio's healthy, Kelnick's off to a great start. And uh, Colton Wong, man, oh man, he's made a difference already in second base with his bat and his glove very exciting.
1: Yeah. This team just seems like it is on the right trajectory here. Like they finally, they broke the drought. And since you brought up last year, I got to bring up uh, your call from last season. Now I'm telling you before we came on, I'm a Yankee fan, right? Like I'm not
2: all the Mariners, today. but
1: obviously everybody was sharing your call of the Cal Raleigh home run that sent the Mariners to the playoffs when it happened. And I'll be honest, like I could not stop listening, like that call gave me chills, so let me ask you before we go back to the Mariners that call would you say that is your number one oh, of your career
0: without a doubt, I mean, I've been lucky doing football, baseball, basketball, play by play for thirty three that right yeah thirty three years, and I've been broadcasting for forty yeah that that's I mean, with everything that that it meant, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, for the longest time, you know, my favorite was the George Mason upset of Connecticut. Then Mm -hmm. it was Felix's perfect game. And then it was Hanniger's two run single to keep us alive against Angels in game 161 in 2021. But this is, I mean, this is like, it played out perfect. Yeah, it, it's up there with like Edgar's double and drive in junior to beat the Yankees back in '95. I mean, it's
1: uh, crazy. I, yeah, you you had to bring that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually,
1: it's funny.
0: It's a funny story. I was working at Channel Two in New York at that time. I was rooting like heck for the Yankees. I still, I couldn't believe it. as fate. What happen. I ended up here in my 17th year. But that count call call, uh, I had. I did a. I was on radio today and interviewed Cal. I said, hey, I want to ask you some questions about the call you hit the home run. I had the call and I seen you on media day. I was watching from New York where I live. And he said that, you know, he and his family, they they imitate me when I say, here's the pitch from Acevedo. And he said, (laughs) it's become like, I won't say, it's a punchline. It's a, it's like a part of the family lexicon. He said, you know, we could be driving down and somebody's driving down the street and somebody's sitting in the back seat and it comes up, it pops up on a website, pops up at home. And so they said over there, you <laughs> know, so so cool. we, we had fun talking about it. And he said he still gets a thrill out of it. I said, so do I. I ain't going to lie. I go back, you know, it's like, especially, you know, in the dog days of winter, you mm-hmm. start to get that baseball, Jones, you know, and I that's think guys come cool. up there and say, man, I play that thing for, to get fired up. So, and the Hanager call. So that means a lot. And it's, you know, coming from people, sports people, that's the highest compliment.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. Dave, you talked a little bit about Colton Wong and what he's kind of bringing to the table already for the Mariners. So, uh, was a great pickup for them, I think. Could you talk a little bit about what the additions of him and Teoscar Hernandez mean to this team for 2023? Well, when you get a chance, take a look at the home run that Teoscar hit today against Cleveland. Went to the left of the batter's eye.
0: and I think it left the campus. I mean, it went over the, you know, just to the left of the batter's eye, over the berm, and from where I was looking, it was pretty much dead straight away, it looked like it got over the fence into the parking lot. You know, he's one of the hardest hitting guys we have. You know, I was told Gary Hill Jr., who was, I was working with him today, and he looked it up. And he's, in the lot, he's in the top. He and Cal, and Julio well, is like number 18, but Tay is like top eight part-hit balls all season. So he brings a power dimension that is gonna be outstanding. I mean, and Mitch Hanniger was great. The two years he was healthy, played 150 something games, he was big time producer, huge. Now we got a guy that can probably quite possibly match that or even beat that. Colton Wong, marriage tried to get him three years ago, they couldn't work out a deal. And now he's here and he couldn't be more happy. Perry Hill and Perry Hill along with Ron Washington, probably the two leading infield coaches in baseball. And he Perry has already tightened up some things. Wong said you know, he talked about some mechanical things, and he said the biggest thing was you're a quick twitch guy. Slow down. You'll get there. You can make the play. Just take your time. So, and and both are really good dudes. So if they come into a culture that's um, really good. You know, Scott Service, Jerry Depoto, and, and company have done a hell of a job over the last eight years to get to this point. And it has been without struggles, but. It, it looks like it's going to pay off in a big way.
1: Yeah, they they've really built such a solid team. And just quickly on Colton Wong, do you think he is the everyday second baseman and leadoff hitter for this team?
0: He'll he'll bat one or two. I mean, I tell you what, if he if he, if he hits, it'd be a great setup for Julio. Yeah, bat mm-hmm. him in the two or two hole. I mean, it's a it's a pretty stacked card here. But when everybody's healthy. It's a pretty stacked lineup. I mean, you can, you can have Colton Wong, like the other day, I think it was the other day at Kansas City, was at the game, and it was it was Wong and Julio. Then you had Gino. Uh, uh, then he had Hernandez. They had Cal. Kelnick bat at six. He had two bombs at Kansas City on Sunday. I mean, mammoth shots. So that, that's another guy. And, and I've said the entire offseason, I think the whole season, hate to put this on the kid, but the whole season rides on. If he has was up to close to his potential, look out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fantasy baseball players have have been dreaming on him for the past few years, and uh, they're getting excited seeing these home runs in spring training. So we'll see what we get from him this year. You brought up Julio Rodriguez, and we were talking a little bit off air about just the the kind of person that he is. And such a young kid, 22 years old. Can you just tell us briefly, like, your interactions and just knowing him a little bit? Tell us a little yeah. bit about just, just his character and what he brings to the uh, scene. It's high character. Yeah. He's a people
0: person. Uh, he has worked really hard. I mean, his English is on par with us. You know, it's heavily accented, but, I mean, he, he's he got all the American idioms down. He, he just gets it. He's a performer. <laughs> if you go to his uh, Instagram page, he's got this great commercial. Matter of fact, it airs on MLB Network where it's like, it's like he's on a food network or something. It looks like he's making cupcakes. He pulls, them, puts them in, and he takes them out, and their tops of baseball cards. He's on the cover of that. He should be on the cover of the video game. With all due respect to Jack,
1: Chisholm. I mean, I you know, agree. He he, he should be the face of baseball.
0: Yeah. yeah, He he's just he works his butt off. He's excited about playing every day. And you know, from, I'm a lot older than you guys. I saw Mays and and Clemente and guys like that. They played. They played with sheer joy every minute they were on the field, and that's who. Cool. And that you know, that's a high compliment. You start putting putting a dude in the same 21 and 24,
2: and Dave Griffey too. Same thing. Same, thing, just love the game. Dave, can you talk a little bit about one of the things that a lot of people who don't live in the area don't really follow and understand is Seattle's bullpen is full of really max velocity, sickening, disgusting, whatever adjectives we want to put on at arms. Do you see them using the bullpen in a typical fashion with a closer? And is Seawall that guy? And then Munoz more like the stopper guy that they need? I mean, they have so many options. It's almost embarrassing. Well, the key
0: word there is options. I mean, Paulie closed a lot. Munoz closed a lot. Uh, They like to go on matchups. And a lot of times, you know, the game can be one in the fifth inning or sixth inning for starters in trouble. Yeah, you don't have to wait to bring in your best guy. You can shut it down right there. That's the philosophy that philosophy the Mariners and Scott Service. Those guys have employed. You got Munoz who's throw, who can throw 104, and he's developing a two-seamer this year, which is, you know, today. It's just not he, fair. Like what? Do both, we- yeah, I mean, he, break, he breaks that weapon, and everybody in camp's going, are you, are you kidding? Come on. Yeah, Domingo. Uh, you got Castillo, who who can rush it up there. You got Paul Seawald, who, who pitches up at the top of the zone with great success. You got Matt Brash, who's got a killer fastball and a devastating slider. Um, and then there's other. You know, Penn Murphy is a slider specialist. Came out of nowhere. He was a position player at Vanderbilt and Santa Clara, and he and you know he he came in in some position, some low leverage situations, and he worked his way right up the mm-hmm. chain. Super effective. Such a good group, and then there's a, a kid named Prelander uh, Barola. Barola, yeah. Man, he struck out. Who did he strike out the other day uh, against San Diego? He struck out Nelson Cruz, Machado, and Sodom. I think he faced four batters and he struck out three of them. All of his, his country. So he raised some eyebrows. It's going to be a battle fitting some dudes in. It's a really good, really
1: good bullpen. Yeah. Absolutely. Shifting to the rotation. I mean, another, like they're just loaded there too, with Castillo, Gilbert, Ray, Kirby. I mean, they're just going to be good for a long time in the rotation. One question mark though, is the fifth starter role. I know Marco Gonzalez, he is like the, the, the veteran of the group, right? He's, he's been through a lot with this team. Um, The skills have, have not, seem to be degrading a little bit do you think they stick with gonzalez in, in that fifth starters role or do you see one of their younger guys coming up from the minors or any other options in that in that fifth well, starter? you role? know
0: we still got a month and change to go today's feb 28 you know marco they have tremendous respect for him yeah they left him off the playoff roster last year he went 10 and 15 hit he, he was one of those deals when he was good he was really good when he was bad he was was just wasn't great, but he's in unbelievable shape. He was moving the ball around pretty well the other day. It's only one start, and I uh, don't get nuts. But uh, it's going to be a pretty intense battle. He and Chris Flexing for with the five spot. And again, like you mentioned, with some of these young arms, it could be a breakthrough. So I'm not going to sit here and try to predict. I'm sitting here ready to watch, like everybody else. It's nice to have that you know that kind of wealth of talent to have to give you multiple options. And the other thing to consider, too, we didn't have an injury. I think everybody made their starts last year. It wasn't like I think in the eighteen or nineteen season where we used something we used forty five pitchers in that record. That was a record in the American League and then Texas broke it next year.
2: Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you be on with us. It's like a, a dream to be able to talk to somebody like you with your with your passion and your work that you've done over the last 35, 40 years that you've been in the field and we so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do to talk with us. Can you leave us with one? You probably have hundreds of anecdotes or stories that you could share with people, but one thing that, you know, you might share with our listeners in your time covering the team that really has stuck with you, um, something that was humorous or something that was a really cool story that you could share with us.
0: Hmm. Um, one story, I don't even know if I've ever gone public at this one, and this was in 14 and Felix Hernandez was having a great year. Matsuzaka had just come up with the Yankees. Remember that? And mm-hmm. they both had great first halves. And I remember going on MLB Network, and and they asked me, "Who would you, you know, who was who's your first half Cy Young Award winner?" I said, "Well, it would be a Homer," which I totally gone against. I totally adopted the Phil Rizzuto approach to everything. But <laughs> I Matsuzaka, and the guys got really ticked off. So we landed. we have going from Houston to Chicago. And we landed in Chicago. And it, uh, the equipment guy says, hey, the boys want to see you on the bus for the ride to the hotel. And they were all over me. And I sat back and we went, up, it was, we went after each other. And then it ended up in laughs and hugs and everything. And it was one of the cooler, neater things. And I remember Joe Biden was with us then. And we go in the hotel and I go to the and we telling some of the guys, that Mike Flowers, some of the guys I work with on the TV side. And Joe Biden said, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in baseball. You drink tequila? I said, I do now. And we had, (laughs) it was great. It was, that's a clean version of what happened. It was a fun, it was a fun night. It just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And they thanked me. I remember Willie Bluebust and John Buck. They said, Hey man, it took some stones to come on the bus and take it and you gave it right back. And that was really cool. And I really enjoyed it. So that was, that was was probably easily the most, one of the most unique things that ever happened.
2: Oh, that's a great, that's a great story. All right. Well, we're
1: going to leave it there, Dave. Again, we appreciate you coming on, uh, Real quick, I we were talking about Yankees and Mariners before we, we came on. Who do you think has more wins this year? Ooh. I tell you what,
0: I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say we're gonna beat 116 wins or anything like that, but and the division our, and believe it or not, our division is better. It's not great, it's better. Angels have made improvements, Texas made improvements, <laughs> Houston's still Houston. I think I think we can win more games than the Yankees. And the Mariners beat the Yankees four out of six in a ten day period last August. Yep. And I think there was tremendous growth in that uh in that accomplishment so and over the and you guys know this i mean you've seen over the years guys coming to yankee and get intimidated mm-hmm. and i don't think that's going to be the case and here's the other thing we got pretty much i don't know if you're old enough to remember frank larry with the uh, detroit tigers man in 1960s like, but he's killing because the yankee killer frank, frank larry well castillo's that guy right now yankees do not want to face him yes oh, <laughs> you just keep that in mind so i feel comfortable going out on, I think that limb is pretty strong. I think the Yankees, mm-hmm. the Mariners can can win more games than the Yankees. Now, I mean, Dave, you have to
2: say that because you don't
0: want you to face it's the 89. 89. It's not going to, it's not like it's going to be 90 to 60 or something like that. I mean, we're talking within a game.
2: Well, we know that you don't want to face the gauntlet on the bus again. So you had to go Mariners on that one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well done.
0: Good to see you guys. Thanks All right, David, coming. you take care. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Have a good season. Thank you. Welcome back to our fantasy follow-up segment. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Carter. Man, Mike, that was so cool having Dave Sims on with us. I mean, dude is a legend in the broadcasting industry. Just that was a big thrill for us. So, Mike, any any thoughts on the interview?
2: Yeah, I mean, most famous person we've had, right, on the, on the show so far. It was like talking to royalty. And the thing that was really cool about it was that he was just it was like three guys just sitting around talking about baseball, right? Like, and he didn't act like he had any errors or anything like that. Just a super guy, super generous with his time to make it to sit down and talk with a couple of schlubs like us. And he was great. The thing that I thought was so great was how he talked about the, we, you know, like being part of that. And like, being really excited about the team. It's really, really cool to see a guy who, you know, he's been around a long time. I'm not saying that he's old, but he's 70 and he's been doing this a long time. And to see his enthusiasm for the game still was almost like a childlike enthusiasm. And I mean that as a total compliment was just a thrill to be on with him. What an amazing guy.
1: Yeah. And and I'm sorry, man. Like you missed some good stuff. So we just to give a little backstory. So I was DMing with Dave. I sent him initially the DM about a month ago. And I didn't hear back. I didn't expect to hear back. Sometimes I just fire off these DMs when, um, you know, just have a few minutes. And I saw that his DMs were open, so, uh, you know, I sent it. And then, like, a couple weeks later, he responds and he said he's he'll come on the podcast. I was like, wow, you know, I was super excited about that. And then we were kind of going back and forth, and we couldn't figure out a, a time to make it work. And, you know, we're recording this segment a few days later, but that day we did the interview. You know, we were trying to figure out we're supposed to do it next week, but then he had family coming in. There was a whole thing, so I'm like, we're not going to get this guy on. Like, eventually, he's just going to be like, forget it. And then he DMs me. He's like, well, why can't we do it right now? And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I I called you, and I'm like, listen, man, we just got we got to get it done. Like, we probably won't get him if we don't do it now. And it's like past ten o'clock at night. Like, I'm usually sound asleep by this time, but I'm like we had nothing prepared but we're gonna do this right now and uh so we're sitting there we're waiting for you because you had to go to your recording spot right in your office and me and him just sat there for like 10-15 minutes just bullshitting but it was like the cool like i thought he was gonna be like you yeah, what am i doing with this guy like he was just gonna get tired and be like all right i don't i can't do this right now like if you're not gonna but he's like asking about me. He's like thanking me for the work that I do. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, it was just like, it was kind of surreal. And then this, you know, the interview was cool. So really cool experience. So thankful to him. Uh, but let's get into a little bit of Mariners talk. We'll we'll dive in a little bit more and, and look at them from a fantasy perspective here. So we'll start off with the the flavor of the week here. The The hot name. Jared Kelenic. Everybody's kind of, you know, now where people are going back on the bandwagon, you know, after he burned so many people the past couple years. He's, he's having a good spring training, right? He's got four home runs. Uh, you know, he, he's looking great, hitting some bombs. Mike, where are you at on him? Is this the year for him? Are you, are you buying in? And just for reference, his ADP right now is about 270. So and, and it's going up, and if he hits another couple home runs, it's going to continue climbing. So, where are you at? Are, are you gonna Are you gonna buy into this new price for him?
2: No, I don't think so. I, being one of the people who've been quote unquote burned by his lack of performance the last couple of years, I'm taking a wait and see approach with this, which means I'm probably not going to get him. I think that there's a legitimate chance there that he's going to hit double digit home runs and double digit stolen bases. I'm really worried about the batting average. In spite of the four home runs that he's hit so far this spring, he's also struck out five times in 17 at-bats. I know that's a ridiculous sample size. I know we don't want to really read too much into that. But with the helium going up on that and where he's going, I'm afraid that I don't have the feeling for him being in one of my starting outfielders in an NFBC league at this point. Like, I'm just not confident if I could get him as a dollar flyer in an auction draft or if I could get him later in an NFBC draft that would be fine as a reserve I don't think that I can buy into him as a starter what about you Chris
1: it's kind of format specific for me I think what you said is I agree with like if if you're taking him as a flyer you're probably not getting him for a dollar though that's the thing now
2: right right
1: probably gonna have to pay a couple bucks for him in an auction but yeah, I in a 12 teamer, I'm more likely to take a chance, you know, because if if we start the season and, you know, we're a couple of weeks in and it's kind of the same Kelenic and he's still striking out, then all right, he's he's kind of that first drop. But you never know. I mean, he has he has the pedigree, right? So sometimes these guys just just figure it out. And we know the power is legit. The max EV last year was over 114 miles an hour, 14 percent barrel rate. So, you know, he could, he's one tweak away from really unlocking something. So I don't know in a 15 team league, probably not, you know, because I think it's probably like, in and in if, if I'd go into the main event and he's sitting there at pick two seventy, I don't think I'm going to take him there. So yeah, I know a lot of people are jumping in, but sounds like Mike, that's not the guy for you. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about... Now, this is your wheelhouse. We'll we'll talk about bullpens. And the the Mariners have a very interesting bullpen. They've got some lights-out dudes down there between Munoz and Seawald. So tell me a little bit how you're looking at this bullpen, how you think things are going to shake out there.
2: Well, I think it's an interesting one to look at. They've got a lot of powerful arms in their bullpen. Dave pointed that out when he was on the pod earlier about one guy is, like, filthier than the next, right? And so seems like lately there's been a lot of of inflation muñoz my belief going into the season is that seawald is the closer and that muñoz is going to be in that high leverage stopper type role where they're going to use him to get big outs after the fifth inning they also have diego castillo they also have matt brash they also have penn murphy who've all been really good in the time that they've been with the Mariners. And so we know that Scott Service is not afraid to kind of mix and match. He's done it with lesser arms over the last few years. Seawall did have some struggles last year. And while it wouldn't be a surprise to see Munoz overtake him at some point, I do think Seawald is a guy that is capable of getting 20 saves relatively easily, depending on how they set up this bullpen and how they let it shake out. There's no denying that Munoz is an incredible talent. What he does is eye-popping. And what you and I were talking about before we started recording with an opportunity to close and with the opportunity to earn saves if he does. You know, this is like Edwin Diaz light. This is a guy that's a legit top five closer if he gets the job. In fact, his ADP right now, I believe, is higher than Seawald's by maybe 15 or 16 picks. So I guess it depends on how you think about your building your team. You, if you're if you're drafting a middle reliever in the top 10 rounds, though, you're, you, you're going to want some assurances that he's going to either get you 100 strikeouts and great ratio controls, or he's going to chip in with some saves. It would not surprise me at all if Munoz ended the season with 10 or 12 saves and Seawald ended up with the lion's share of it. Same way, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Seawald got bumped down in the bullpen to a different role and Munoz emerged as the closer. I, but if you look at Scott's service and the way that he likes to manage the bullpens, he doesn't ever really seem like he's super married to the idea of having just one guy do it all. They've had a number of different guys over the years get some saves. So I think we have to really watch what happens here in the spring in spring training, but I worry that those people who are really pushing up Munoz really think that he's the closer, and I'm here to kind of pump the brakes on that a little bit. I think that it's something that really bears some thinking about like, I don't know that you want to draft him as your number two closer in an NFBC draft thinking that he's going to be getting those saves that you need. He's an unbelievable pitcher, though.
1: For some reason, I just can't pull the trigger. Like, I had Paul Seawald lined up. I was going to take him as my second closer. I pick, I think it was around 175 in uh, one of these 15-team leagues, and I just couldn't pull the trigger. There's something about him that, and really it might be the injury, right? You're like, let's mm-hmm. remember he had uh, two and I don't have the exact injury in front of me, but it was, he had a procedure on his, on both heels and he had an elbow cleanup and everything that I've read is that he's going to be ready for spring training. I think he, or rather opening day. I think he actually did get into a spring training game yesterday, but there's just something that makes me a little bit uneasy, especially he's this guy who kind of came out of nowhere you know, 32 years old. He pretty much, he was almost out of baseball, and now he's emerged with the Mariners. I'm just a little tentative with him, and you know, then I'm thinking about it afterward. And I'm like, well, if I'm not crazy about Seawald, then I probably should be a little bit more into Munoz because if anything happened to Seawald, either if he faltered or mm-hmm. if he got injured, um, I don't think, like you said, I don't think Scott Service is just gonna say, you know, give Munoz the role and let him run with it, but. I do think that does give him a little bit more of a ceiling in terms of saves. Whereas you probably mm-hmm. could project him for like 10 to 12 right now. If anything happened to Seawald, I think you could bump that up for Munoz and you know, maybe into that 15 to 20 range. And mm-hmm. then if you pair that with the elite ratios that he has, and remember Dave even mentioned he was working on, I think it was a two seamer or some new pitch. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not even fair. Like, come on, man, like, no. you're just already too good. Uh, I mean, he could be just such a valuable pitcher. So I'm good with Munoz, where he's going right now, around pick 150. And just one last note on Seawald. I pulled up his Fangraphs page. He's got some regression coming. Last year, his BABIP was 158. Uh, so the ERA looked really good, and he's still a good pitcher. Mm-hmm. ERA was 2.67, but all of the underlying metrics, XFIP, Sierra, were significantly higher so that that's another reason i'm a little bit weary of taking him you know where he's going but uh do you think there's any other is there a dark horse in this bullpen that you think could could also get some safe opportunities
2: yeah you know i think what you say about seawall really well taken chris i mean there's um definitely regression is a monster that never that never stops eating and mm-hmm his ERA could be as much as a run higher than what it was last year. Although the one thing he does really well is limit hard contact. Right. So we know that kind of going in that he doesn't really give up, you know, I think he's like 95th percentage percentile for spin rate on his fastball top 7%, I think for exit velocity and whatnot. So he's pretty effective depending on what role he's going to be in. But the other guy that I really think kind of falls under the radar here is uh, Diego Castillo. I mean, You know, it seems like he's been around forever. He's only 29. They got him in a trade with Tampa in 21. And he's a guy that has pitched in a variety of different roles for them. They also have Matt Brash, who they've discussed various roles for him over the course of time. And there's been talk about him being in the rotation. It seems right now that he's in a middle relief role for the Mariners. But another guy that's got a really high octane arm with you know potentially eye-popping strikeout numbers too so i would lean a little more castillo's got some experience in the role and we know that managers kind of like that but brash is also really electric and is a guy that could really be interesting if he given a higher leverage role there
1: yeah brash is a guy who man i was all over last year and it looked like i struck gold beginning of last season like he was everybody was hyping him up he started out in the rotation and that fizzled out very quickly it did it seemed it seems like his control issues are still there so you know I saw some people hyping him up as a potential closer this year and I think we're going to need to see a lot of skills growth before we get to that point so but yeah I, I agree Castillo is a guy I think everybody's just kind of forgotten about but He's definitely they've they've used him, you know, as kind of an ancillary save guy before, and could definitely see that happening again. Moving on to let's let's talk a little bit about Big Dumper. You know, I mean, <laughs> the, we had Dave Sims on. I mean, him and Dave Sims and Cal Raleigh are kind of linked forever, right, because of the the great call and the the home run to send the Mariners to the playoffs. But you know, beyond that, I I'm really interested in him this year at the catcher position, we were talking a little bit off air about just in these two catcher leagues, you have talked about this on previous episodes. You really want to make sure that you get good catchers, right? You don't want to be starting Jose Trevino and James McCann in a two catcher league. Like you are just falling behind so much. So in Cal Raleigh, his ADP kind of falls in that more mid range around pick one fifty. So you're not paying, obviously there's, there's a whole tier going higher than him. And there's a lot of concerns. I feel like people are very concerned about the batting average, right? Because he batted 211 last year. And, you know, I put out a tweet not that long ago about how people just automatically, they look at Kyle Raleigh, they look at a a catcher with a lot of power, with a lot of strikeouts and a low average and like, oh, he's just Mike Zanino, right? Like they're just, Mm. and they've been down that road before. So they just kind of steer clear. But I'd caution people to making that comp because I don't I think Cal Raleigh is he probably has around the same power as Zanino but there are indicators for him that the contact skills are better than that if you look at AAA and his his K rate down there was you know he had it kind of bounced around a little bit single A was 19 percent and it went up when he went up to AA, went up to close to 30. Then when he jumped up to AAA, it was down at actually 13% over 200 plate appearances. So not a huge sample, but just shows that there's there's some ability there to make better contact. And even in AAA last year, 23%, we could live with a 26%, 27% K rate if you're giving that level of power. And even the contact skills, if you look underneath the hood, they were better... Than what you would think of with a thirty percent strikeout rate. I'm trying to pull up here, his in-zone contact and his overall contact rate. Come on, graphs work faster. <laughs> okay, so his overall contact rate was seventy percent. He also showed like some good swing decisions. You know, this is something that I'm looking more into because I think we've traditionally just looked at like O swing and considered that as like the indicator of whether someone has good plate discipline. And I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And you're seeing this with like some of the stuff that Pitcherless is putting out in terms of swing decisions. I think that's really valuable. And, you know, the thing with Cal Raleigh, he, when he gets a pitch to attack in the zone, he swings, you know, whereas some of these guys just get too passive and that inflates their K rate. Cause they're just taking too many strikes. Right. And so Cal Raleigh showed some good, judgment in terms of in terms of attacking so um, I do think that there's a little bit of upside there I think the forecaster had him had Raleigh for an upside prediction of 30 home runs and a 250 batting average that's real Uh, good that yeah 250 not 215 right so if he gives you a 250 batting average with 30 home runs you are going to be sitting pretty if you take him at an ADP of 150 Mike what say you
2: yeah you know I like him a lot I think that The value of of having a catcher that's not a zero is is really helpful, especially in the two-catcher leagues, right? So a guy like Raleigh, we know that the power is legit. We know that he's going to have probably more of an opportunity. He's going to split time with Tom Murphy, who is a better baseball player in real life than he is for fantasy purposes, right? They love him there, and he calls a good game. But Raleigh really seems to be the future there for them, and I, I think that the power is legit. Anytime that you're going to give me 20 to 25 home runs out of a catcher position, I'm very interested. And I think where he's going right now, I think that's a potentially really good value. I've seen some interesting ways that people are handling catchers this year. You know, I've seen people completely abandoning the position and not putting anything into it. I've seen some people drafting, you know, the top three or four guys in the second or third round, which I think is a little high for where I would go but I understand the concept behind it. And then I've also seen some people doing the double tap, which is kind of what I did last weekend with getting Stevenson and and Ruiz as my catchers, which I was pretty happy with. But I think Raleigh is an absolute prospect. I think Dave talked about it really well about some of the changes that he made and how he's able to adjust. And anytime you talk about a guy that's able to do that on the fly at the highest level of the game, you need to be interested in a guy like that. He's probably going to figure it out. Plus I love catchers mm-hmm. with huge asses. And yeah, so I yeah, think he he, he, he And, and so when we were in at first pitch Arizona, Sam Worshine had a bunch of bumper stickers and stuff made up big dumper fan club that are now on my truck. As a matter of fact, Jack has one on his side of the door and I have one on the, the removable top of my car that says, uh, you know, big dumper fan club. Wow. So go, nice. go Cal Raleigh. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. That,
1: that is my guy at the catcher position this year. So real quick, let's, Let's look at some of these other guys and just kind of what we did with the Braves. I'm just going to ask you if, if you're in or out, and give me a very brief reason why. What about Teoscar, a new import from, uh, from Toronto here? Do you think he's going to carry over some of the success he had?
2: Yeah, I have an unhealthy crush on Teoscar Hernandez. I think he's going to be hitting in a really good lineup. I think he's going to hit 30 home runs, and I really think he's a very good hitter. Uh, he hits the living crap out of the ball. Which yeah. is not a not a quantifiable statistic, but man, when he hits it, he hits it so hard. I think he's gonna have a really good year. I'm in on Teoscar. I actually, in a couple of leagues that I'm in, have taken him as my second outfielder. I'm really confident.
1: Well, we, we can kind of quantify it. <laughs> That's what we got Statcast for. He does hit the crap out of the ball. Yeah, I think he's. Some people are just a little concerned that going to Seattle, going from you know more of a hitters' park to more of a pitchers' park. That uh, there may be a little bit of a drop off, but I'm not concerned. That that power is going to play anywhere. So I'm with you on Teoscar. He said he had a big crush on Teoscar. How's his ass? I mean, is that have you?
2: It's not as good as in
1: comparison to Cal Raleigh. What, what would not, you say?
2: Not as good as Cal Raleigh's. I I mean, yeah. Cal Raleigh's a, Cal Raleigh's probably a 9.8, uh-huh. right? And I Teoscar probably 7.5. Like yeah, it's not bad, but I mean, it's not Cal Raleigh
1: the only major league ass that I really like have taken notice of besides Cal Raleigh, you remember Mark Teixeira? Like, mm-hmm. like do you remember his ass because the thing yes. like wasn't, it didn't really fit his body. That was the no. only thing that was just kind no. of really stood out about it.
2: He but looked like just, a centaur or something, you know, like the half man, half horse type of right,
1: thing. Right, centaurs. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was something kind of odd that like every time I watch him, I just, I, I couldn't, couldn't look away. But, That's a discussion for another episode. Tell me about George Kirby.
2: Well, you know, a lot of people really like George Kirby and where he's going, I always seem to kind of forget that he's there, you know, like I, I think he's outstanding. I think he's going to make a lot of, of fantasy players very happy this year. I'm a little leery just because of the fact that, again, you know me well enough to know now that. One of the things that, you know, concerns me is when you got a young guy who hasn't done it for a full season, how is that going to play out? How is he going to adjust? The worry that I have with him is, is the innings pitched. I mean, I you're going to have guys on this team that are going to have 180, 190 innings, I would say, with Lee, Ray, Gilbert, Castillo, those guys. Is Kirby going to get you 130 innings? I don't know. Like, I mean, he's 25, and they, I know that they probably don't have much reason to hold him back but the stuff is there I mean he's gonna he's gonna really help you with with the ratios he's probably gonna get some wins strikeouts he's a little more middling if I remember correctly I don't know that he's got a really like huge strikeout rate but in that in that rotation he probably doesn't need to be so I actually I think I prefer Logan Gilbert a little bit more just because I think he's gonna have more innings and more strikeouts but i can see kirby being somebody that people really really like having i just don't I, i'm having a hard time kind of gauging what to expect
1: yeah and i'm, I'm mixed on him he's he's gotten a lot of helium let me ch- check his adp here he's going or he's going in the top 100 at pick 91 he just i have a thing for guys not with big asses like you but guys who <laughs> have really good really good command. And George Kirby, I mean, his command is elite. And I think it's very, he has the prospect pedigree. I know, you know, some people kind of get annoyed when when we talk about that. But I think that there's something to that. Like the fact that he showed what he did in year one, I think it's very reasonable to expect a step forward here. It's kind of priced in, you know, to his ADP but I haven't gotten him anywhere, but I kind of want to at least have one share in case he does take that leap. Okay. So you you got, again, the one sentence thing, man, we uh, last episode, I was like, Mike, just give me one sentence on whether you're in or out on these guys. And you gave me, you know, sorry. Yeah. A whole essay here. So give me, give me two sentences on, let's see, who do we got? Who do we have to cover? before we, uh, before we wrap up this episode, tell me about Julio. I mean, he's going top five. Where are you at on him? Is he, is he someone – do you have any concerns about taking him in the top five?
2: No, I love him. Two sentences, done.
1: Beautiful. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say. The only thing I've heard people say is, well, at the end of last year, he kind of stopped stealing bases. So is he is he really going to run as much as we think? I saw quotes, for what it's worth, from the manager. I'm sure other people have seen it too. That, you know, Scott Service was saying they think he's going thirty thirty. So, I do too. Yeah, I, I definitely everything's there. I mean, the dude is just a superstar. So, um, all right. So, Mike, I think we've uh, we've covered it all for the Mariners. Oh, just real quickly, one guy who I think is kind of a a sleeper, and his spring training performance is uh, getting him some attention here. But uh got to keep an eye on is Bryce Miller. This young kid, and I'm not a prospect guy, I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about him, but he is looking great in spring training. Got good swing and miss ability. So, listen, the Mariners know what they're doing with pitchers. Just like we talked about the Braves last week. Like, sometimes you just got to believe in the organizations, right? And I think when you see a guy who is performing that well in spring, and, and his minor league numbers do look pretty good, guy to keep on your radar he's barely being drafted right now in nfbc draft champions leagues but keep him on the watch list and see how things progress for him but uh, mike we're going to move on to our mental health minute here so moving away from baseball and just talking a little bit about things that that we're doing to maintain our wellness whether that's for our physical health our mental health both so tell me what are you what are you doing right now
2: so, you know, this is interesting because we're in the middle of draft season, so we're on baseball overload kind of, right? I mean, I had I had Glarf last weekend with some wonderful people in Chicago, was down there for the day, it was terrific. I found myself, though, this week kind of needing an hour or two to kind of unplug from baseball, which I know maybe sounds sacrilegious to those who are listening to us or, you know, the people that are waiting for us to kind of, I shouldn't say waiting for us, but, you know thinking about all this draft stuff. It's the first week of March. And I did something last night that I have not done in weeks, which was read the Sunday paper cover to cover. And I like to think, you know, Chris, you're a therapist and you know more about this stuff than I do, but, you know, I, I feel like we can kind of cast our light on the things that we choose to cast our light on. Right. So we can make that, make that flashlight be super focused and on one small thing, we can broaden the beam out and get a wider view of things that were going on. And it was really nice to sort of take an hour and a half or two hours and just read the newspaper, like no interruptions. The kids were here, they were doing their things. I read the newspaper. It was a way to unplug from baseball. It was a way to sort of unplug from the day-to-day life that I'm leading. Now, granted, stuff in the newspaper is not always overwhelmingly positive. Right. And we, and we know that kind of going in and, you know, doing what you and I do for a living. When I read the newspaper, I'm always afraid I'm going to read about somebody that I know. Mm -hmm. I'm always afraid I'm going to read about a kid that did something stupid, hurt Mm -hmm. themselves, hurt someone else, whatever it might be. But it was just a really nice way for me to sort of reconnect with something that used to be really important to me, which was reading the newspaper. And to me, that's part of that mental health thing, right, of, you know, doing something to kind of get you out of a rut, you know, and I think, in the Midwest, in the wintertime, we have gray day after gray day after gray day, even if we don't have a lot of snow. And that really impacts me. And it, we get three or four of those days in a row, and I feel really irritated and get really down. And so reminding myself to do some things for me to kind of re-energize myself as we get into the middle of the week, to me, is really an important thing. So is that mental health minute? I don't really know. But it was something that I did for me this week that I had not done in a period of time. And I thought it was great. How about you? What are you doing to take care of yourself this week?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to quickly follow up on what you talked about. Well, first of all, that's how you know you're old, right? When you still read the newspaper. And I say that um, I read the newspaper more than probably anybody else my age. Um, (laughs) I get the, the newspaper delivered to my house. Like, I'm like, I've always been an old soul. My dad... He always read the New York Post and that that was his thing. And then like I've been reading it. He would give me the post like when he was done with it. And I'm talking I was like 12 years old and I'd be reading it cover to cover. So I still have that that tradition. But uh, yeah, like you said, sometimes it's not the most uplifting things, but it can. It's just for whatever reason, I find it relaxing, too. Um, But uh, I like what you said, too, about just like switching things up, getting out of a rut. I've had to do that myself. Like I, I work from home and some days, some days just kind of blend into the next and it's, you, you gotta just like change up your, your scenery. Sometimes I just even try to like move to different rooms, like through Yeah, the day, yeah. You know? I think that's important to just to switch things up or, you know, go to a different store or go to a new restaurant, just like some, some kind of variety. Right. Uh, right. Adding that to your life. And, and, and too, as well, just wanted to point out like, I'm struggling with that right now because with uh I'm sorry, the uh unplugging from baseball Yeah. because we are so deep into it right now, between the podcast, between the drafts, and I just feel like I've gotta be on it twenty four if I'm not working or with my kids, like I have to be plugged into that right, right. For multiple I, reasons yeah, and uh, yeah, I do myself need a break, so that's a good reminder for me i I, I gotta incorporate that. I
2: just always feel, too, like, you know, the thing is, I had a good friend of mine in the field that I work in. You know, I think everybody knows that I work as a special ed teacher and administrator at a therapeutic day school. I had a friend tell me a long time ago, no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to take care of your mental health for you. No one's Mm going to be there to rescue you. At the end of the day, you have to be the one who's responsible for recognizing that stuff and doing something about it instead of just laying there like a slug and letting it overtake you and and beat you you know you got to figure out some things and you and i both know being dads and having kids at various ages i'm not a little bit further on the spectrum than you are because my kids are a little bit older but that kind of stuff really keeps you going because you know that you got to be there for them and you know that you got to get that stuff done but at the same time wednesdays hit hard bro like you got a middle middle of the week, you struggle. You're tired. You're kind of looking forward to the finish line, but you still got a couple of days to go, and you got to figure out a way to recharge that battery. So whatever you can do to do that for yourself, I think is super important. Whether that be bike riding, yoga, meditating, walking, reading a book, talking to an old friend, whatever it might be, like finding ways to kind of beat the doldrums of winter is really key. Yeah,
1: yeah all good, all good tips there. Uh, but uh, for me. And I'm going to keep this brief just for our listeners as well as myself, because I'd like to spend some quality time with my wife, if you know what I mean. That's part of my mental health. <laughs> but for me, what's been helping me out is just remembering to take a moment to breathe. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know it's kind of cliche, like people say, oh, just just take a deep breath, right? Like if you're like upset or anxious and Again, it's cliche, but there's so much value to it. There's a really good book that i I read by a guy called James. His name is James Nestor. It's called Breathe. obviously, it's a, <laughs> a book about breathing. and it's just really interesting talking about like the benefits of intentional breathing. It talks a lot about like the benefits of nasal breathing, you know, and like how mm-hmm. that's really how mm-hmm. we're meant to breathe. And I, naturally i tend to breathe through my mouth which is like one of the worst things you could do for multiple reasons just for your overall are
2: you saying saying you're a mouth breather chris
1: i am and well you know what that's always been like an insult but it makes sense because like when you breathe through your mouth you're not (laughs) like you're not getting the proper oxygen oxygenation to your brain like it's there's something biological to that that you really should be breathing through your nose so That's my tip for this week is like just throughout the day, just remind yourself to take like some deep intentional breaths, just sit there. And even like you brought up meditation, like I can't advocate for that enough. Like my whole mood, my energy levels Mm -hmm. are way better when I'm consistent with that. There's so many great resources and apps like uh, like Calm Insight Timer is the one that I use. You could go on YouTube. So all that stuff sometimes people get a little freaked out, like oh meditation, like they think there's like these religious connotations to it. It's not like that at all. Like it, you know, there's plenty of stuff out there that's has nothing to do with religion. It's just about being mindful. And, uh, you know, just just kind of getting recentered. So those are my tips for this week, but we're going to leave it there. Uh, so we've got a couple guests lined up. We have john Denton, who is the beat writer for the St. Louis Cardinals. We're going to be recording that episode soon. We've also got Andrea. She Andrea Scout girl. I I don't know what her actual name is, but she does some awesome, awesome videos on Twitter. So she agreed to come on the podcast. She's going to be talking about the Rays with us. We've also got what we're planning to do, like a, a listener's episode. So this is not going to include an interview with a guest, except we just want, People who listen to the show, maybe just random people on Twitter. I don't care if you got twenty thousand followers or two followers. Like, I just would love to hear from people. And our topic is going to be sleepers they're looking at for this season. So we want to have some fun with that. Almost have like a a sports radio type of show. Like, just kind of bring people in and you know, just kind of get a quick quick hitter from them and and uh, go on to the next. So we'll we'll try to set that up, but anyway and hopefully we have carlos he's currently sitting in the dark with no power so um. (laughs) welcome to the central america power grid guys right there you go but uh for carlos for mike for me thank you for listening to fantasy baseball beat (laughs)